0: You guys I'm so excited for this episode today, you know, so many of you have been just so supportive of talking about the amazing women uh, that we've been able to focus on with bare skin. But it's always exciting for me when I can have not only an amazing woman who is successful, kind, generous, bright, but also someone I have the pleasure of knowing personally. Because I think for so many of us, that's the goal of Bare Skin for me. The reason we call it Bare Skin is to sort of get beyond the surface and really get the inside workings of someone who has had amazing success like our guest, Victoria, like when I talked to her today, the most amazing thing is the woman underneath the success is even more phenomenal than the woman who has the success. So I'm excited that we'll be able to share today her whole rags to riches American dream story, because it really is that, you know, she immigrated from South Korea to America with her parents. And I want to save some of that story for her to tell. But you know, with, with limited resources and really being able to build her passion into a multi-million dollar business. And more importantly, a business that was in a highly competitive environment when you talk about her ability to, to really be the first real social media influencers. Because when you think about people in HSN, KVC, they really were the first influencers to bring storytelling and experiences and curation of brands to the home. And I think that today, you know, we have that so much in the social media world and everyone's trying to figure out, how do I promote my brand? How do I grow my business? And really we don't have to look forward as much as looking back at the secrets to what people did on HSN and and people like Victoria and really carving out her brand and really building a relationship with consumers around the globe on the internet and as TV retailers. So I'm super excited. She spent 19 years on HSN. She also took a little short, I like retirement, you know, on HQ. (laughs) You'll find out she has no such thing as throttling down or throttling back, which I love about her. But she's been sharing her jewelry designs with millions of viewers. And she's built this highly successful business following her passion for incredible, just an eye for design and an eye for quality without sacrificing her family life because family's super important to her. And last but not least, I'm really excited about where Victoria goes from here and sharing with you her vision for Million Dollar Hobbies, which is an upcoming book we all are going to have to read. I'll have her back when she has that launch, but also her science fiction novel, which I'm a huge fan of the concept of Shattered Sky. So, you know, she has a BS degree in economics, from UCLA, an MBA in marketing finance, but her real MBA is in from the real world of what she's done and defined. So I'll, with no further ado, I'll introduce you. Victoria, welcome to Bearskin.
1: Wow, what an introduction. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited.
0: Well, you know, I'd like to give my listeners kind of a sense of every guest, sort of where they came from, how they ended up here. You know, when you look at your journey, I know so much of it was crafted out of kind of what you learned as you came to this country and, you know, really starting out and where that ambition came from and the drive to that success. So tell us a little bit about what it was like coming over here from South Korea and it had to be an amazing new world, right?
1: Yeah, you know, I've always uh, read a lot. So where where I lived in South Korea, you know, we lived uh, as far away from the city as we can. So, you know, my dad, uh, my mother was uh, suffering from uh, some sort of illness uh, temporary, but he moved us to a small little like island near the second largest city, Busan. And so I had a, you know, I was too young to kind of figure out uh, if we were rich or poor, you know, Finances, when you're that age, you don't, it doesn't really matter, especially if you're living on a small little island, you don't think about that. So we had a kind of a ideal life there. And then um, my father felt that we were better off, that he had four girls um, better off coming to America where the girls could choose to be a housewife or president of the United States um, by choice, not by society's choice, right? So because Korea was very, I wouldn't say they're anti-women, but boys were much more prized at that time. So we came here fast forward. Um, my father, my parents ended up getting all their assets frozen in both countries. So we ended up with 30 bucks in his pocket um, wow. after the first night. And um, so life was pretty rough. You know, the first few years were really rough. I didn't speak any English. None of the kids spoke any English. My mom didn't speak English. My father spoke a little bit, a very, very little broken English. So, um, you know, life looked really um tough. I mean, you know, I went to school where there were barbed wires, um, a lot of like, you know, fights, knife fights, again, you know, gunfights and all that. And um, so at that time, um, you had to figure out, you know, do we do I move forward? Or do I move back? Because, you know, you have a choice of following that path that was happening around you or try to get out of that lifestyle as much as you can. So I thought about what is like the one thing I could do? To, for myself, you know, I, I was too little to try to figure out anything I could do, you know, for my for my parents. So they each started working two jobs. Um, they left about six thirty in the morning. They came back when it was dark, and I was the oldest, so I learned to speak English. And uh, until I learned to speak English, uh, if I had to communicate with my teachers at school, there were no like English as second uh, language classes, and there was no Korean, you know, classes anyway so i would draw it out i would sketch out what i'm trying to say almost like uh, was it like a pictionary or something i'm pretty good at that game by the way (laughs) (laughs) i bet you so (laughs) yeah so i I started sketching things out and then later on um those skills really helped me because i would um you know i didn't have a lot of friends because you don't speak english and you have all these responsibilities at home so later on i would sketch my feelings i would paint my feelings and a lot of that is actually reflected in my jewelry. And I think um, that emotional connection uh, that's embedded in each piece of my jewelry is what connects emotionally to my customers at the end. Uh, a lot of jewelry, as you know, and, and I know you're a consumer of you know, mm-hmm. fine jewelry, when you, buy, when you go to the stores, all the jewelry kind of tend to look the same. They look like your mother's jewelry, your grandmother's jewelry, it, you know, it's two carrots and it's how many dollars really doesn't seem to have a lot of emotion attached to that other than status so um, that helped me in the end but going back to when i was there i learned to speak english you know i my father uh, randomly just like picked a bunch of uh, words because he didn't speak english either so he would just circle them and then i would find the definition english to english so i learned the first 2500 words or so uh, which by the way surprisingly got you through for most of the day. I was going (laughs) to ask you, I mean, those are sort of
0: the basics, right? And by the way, one thing I would comment on what you said, just so I don't forget to share it. You know, how amazing of your dad to to have the foresight to think about you as a woman, you know, being able to be in a place, you know, particularly in that day and time, you know, you can see the mother potentially, but but the father really wanting that for you. Um, right. kudos to him, a little bit of a Renaissance man there. <laughs> oh, for sure.
1: I mean, even when we were in Korea um, and the culture was the girls should learn how to, you know, cook perfect rice. They should learn how to keep the house clean and, you know, do all of that. My father actually for, forbid us to go into the kitchen. He said, you know, if you, and my mother never cooked because he said, you know, if the girls watch their mother cooking and cleaning all that. That's what they go aspire to be. So he basically, you know, said that's not going to happen in my family. So wow. he was very progressive of, of a thinker. So yeah, you know, I uh, so think about the one thing I could do. So I learned to speak English. That was going to be much more freedom for me um, than if I didn't speak English. So um, you know, it was a culture shock um, in every way. I read about America. Uh, but what you read in books is very different than experiencing it. So even though life was really tough, uh, we really embraced, uh, all of us embraced the the tolerance, the openness, how laid back they were, the lack of all the customs and all the production things. You know, so we really had embraced this place as our, our new home and um, just decided to make it work.
0: So, so what did you? how did you get? So when you hear that, you think about okay, you know, here you come, you come over, you adjust, you get into that, then what's the path from that to being on national spotlight, you know, because you think about the world changing so dramatically for you from being someone who's learning English to someone whose job is to use words (laughs) to sell your brand. Right, right. And then,
1: and now I'm writing. So, yeah, it's interesting. Um, So my parents were never uh, my whole family genealogy. They were never into you know money or materialistic things. In Asian culture, there's many other factors that determine your success, not just money and things. So we um, they they were they preached to us all the other values such as health, relationships, you know, uh, longevity, wisdom, all of that being a part of your success um, pillars. And then once they landed here, they started preaching how getting hyper educated, getting one, two, three degrees, you know, getting those corporate jobs that, that are coveted, uh, preferably, you know, doctor, or lawyer, and all that, that was gonna be your path to success and security and freedom, right? Um, and my parents knew that I always wanted to follow the path of literature, art, music, but I'm the oldest of the five, and they said, those are something you do as a hobby you don't do this for a living so i did get my degree in finance um i got the degree in finance because i was told in graduate school that i was not going to be too good at marketing because i didn't understand nuances of marketing and you know there's a lot of things that they taught i just didn't get celeste i just was um they seemed to be the opposite of what i believed for example, um, in marketing classes, and I'm sure you've heard this before, is they say that the most powerful word in marketing is the word free. And I had a problem with that because nothing really is free.
0: That's so true.
1: Right? And I had a problem with that. I'm like, I don't understand how that's free. How does that work? I mean, how does it show up on financials? I, I understand that you bake it in, but when you bake it in, it's really not free. So, you know, there was this very integral, um, honest self, young stupid self that refused to believe it was free. So therefore it's not the truth. And if you don't have the truth, then what relationship do you really have? So whenever I would question, you know, in case study after case study, I would argue I would have done it this way. So I would have gotten a flunking, you know, grade there. <laughs> but
0: <laughs> so, it goes to show you why grades don't matter in the
1: well, end. Well, <laughs> so you know, he um suggested that I change my my major, so I had taken way too many marketing classes up to that point to give it up altogether. So I I kept up on that, and then I ended up switching my major and got my finance degree. Years later, though, I did find that a lot of the things that I used to think that I was right in actually was right, and I ended up building um, this amazing business by being that contrarian, you know, be going against the grain. Because if you do what everybody does you end up like everybody else right so you want to stand out in a good way so yeah that was kind of interesting and so i went from you know that to so i got my degrees and then when i got my corporate jobs i was getting decent i was getting you know really good money for and, and i was a good worker but i was suffocating you know i and then i ended up working every time i got a promotion i ended up working longer and longer hours so at some point i realized that I was abandoned at home, you know, with four other siblings involuntarily. My parents didn't have a choice, but I had a choice and I was doing the same thing. I was going to be doing the same thing to my kids
0: right
1: here. I had all the choices in the world and that's what I was going to do. So that's when I said, "Okay, you know what? I now I owe it to myself, my family to believe in myself and to follow my dreams. Because that was the whole point of my father making those sacrifices. So luckily, it worked out, you know.
0: Yeah, I'd say it. I would say it worked out. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's talk about how well it worked out. Um, okay. So when so when we talk about that, so you make this this decision, which many people listening probably either have or are contemplating, especially with everything that's happened with the pandemic, you know, sort of contemplating. I want to step out on my own, but it's kind of scary, you know. And to your point. Yeah many times having a job is, even if it's not something you love is often feels more secure than the risk of pursuing your passion which is an unknown right so when i think about your migration you know how what was your first step towards you knew you wanted to go do something that was powerful and creative but why jewelry what made you go that direction um and where did you see the opportunity to really carve out your own space in that?
1: Yeah, market? so uh, great, great questions. Number one, for all of you who are who have, I mean, I think many of us, um, you know, while you're working, you have days when you want to go out on your own, you wish you could be your own boss, you want to create something of your own, but you're scared, right? And you think that take getting a paycheck, any check, is going to be that security you know you if you have a decent job security and you have upward mobility you think that that is the secure thing and whatever is it, you're passionate about is something you do after retirement i would encourage you to think the other way around i think that being stuck in a job you are not passionate about is actually more risky it's more risky because you can get fired you could get outdated you could you could basically might impact your health it might impact your relationships i mean you're going to make if I mean, I said to myself, God didn't put me on earth so I can starve because I followed my dreams. And as hard as I was gonna work, the worst thing that could happen to me is go look for another job at some point, and that option always remained. So, you know, for me, it wasn't as of a critical thing. So I started it. And when it come, comes to where did I see the opportunity, why jewelry? So um, jewelry to me was, in good times and bad times, people get married. They, you know, people have worn jewelry for 2,000 years. It tells you the story about, you know, a family life, uh, a personality, because jewelry is most personality reflective jewelry, reflective purchase you're going to make uh, for any woman. So, um, and by the way, I can take a look at your jewelry. It can tell you a lot about your personality because it's. I
0: love that. We need to do a segment on that mapping. You know what you're. Yeah. Yeah. If you ever
1: want to know a a woman's personality, um, you definitely, you know, it's it's amazing. I can tell you. I mean, I, I can talk to somebody. I can tell you exactly what 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 stone she's going to have for her wedding ring. So. So jewelry was kind of a natural thing, but it has a very high cost of entry, okay? It's not a barrier to entry, but it's actually expensive to be in the jewelry business. Um, But I felt that my um, desire to do the the timing, everything was kind of lining up because if you remember when we went to work, we were the first group of women going to work in a managerial position. Before that, our mothers, when they went to work, if they went to work at all, you know they worked in an uh, administrative position. There were secretaries, receptionists, coffee rolls, or whatever. So when we went to work in a managerial position, and I'm sure you remember this, we had those white shirts like oh, men did. Yeah. We had little bow ties and we had little suits, pencil skirts, and oh we had Oh my gosh, when you talk right? about
0: Brooks Brothers.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that was so there was no real way for women to differentiate herself. We all look like we're in a uniform and and i knew that and also the jewelry industry sold jewelry like daytime jewelry nighttime jewelry nighttime jewelry was fancy diamonds things you put them in the safe for you only wear on special occasions to show off to your friends or to your status or to even to yourself and daytime jewelry was a lot of plastic uh, resin um, kind of brass junky jewelry that looked tacky, that like made noise when you walked around, they weren't polished. They didn't look upscale. So women, here we have millions, generations of women who are going to work, leaving their kids at home, needed to differentiate themselves. They now had money and yet nothing to buy. So I thought, you know what? There was this huge need to have jewelry that's polished, affordable, stylish, modern, that shows her personality, that shows that she's successful and she has great taste. All the things that you can't say about, you can't go to a job interview and say, you know what, I'm Celeste Hilling and I'm wildly successful and you know I have great taste. I mean, they wouldn't hire you. Right. But your jewelry will say those things. So I designed jewelry for that working woman and that made the whole marketing message a lot easier too because if you designed jewelry for every woman, you might say something like, Oh, you know, I'm Victoria Wick. I designed, you know, these wonderful line of uh, jewelry. Here are some rings, here are some necklaces, and everything is at 25% off today. Go to victoriawick.com, boom. Well, it's very generic. But if I said something like, Hey, are you looking for a, a way to make yourself look polished, intelligent, elegant, and successful? Here are five key pieces because now I'm talking to working women who's got a need, right? So whatever marketing messages I had with the little money I had, it it made the product development easier, marketing it easier, and finding them easier.
0: But so, I love that. I just love that you tapped into, because I think there's a couple of things, right? If we wanted to break it down. One is, you know, you had the passion, you saw the opportunity, but I think The key for a lot of us, and it kind of rides on a couple of other podcast sessions we've done about your branding, but that idea of finding your spot where you resonate. And I love that you really identified, especially, you know, with women moving into the workplace. And I love what you said about, you know, the jewelry tells a story about you. Right. Um, And I think the fact that you were able to verbalize that and that you, that was your core focus was sort of helping people tell their stories and giving them a way to to be aspirational, you know, but yet affordably aspirational, um, you know, and feel like they can achieve things that move them to that next level through acquiring jewelry that speaks to that, you know, and I think that was such a visionary um, step on your part, but I also feel it's so relevant to where we are today. Because if you look at people starting to merge from their homes and frankly, Victoria, the number of women who have voluntarily removed themselves from the workforce to be able to be home with their children who need educational support or, you know, when all this happened, they kind of had to decide like you did, you know, Where is my family, my priority coming back to that? But those women are going back into the workforce and they're going maybe in different positions or maybe starting their own businesses. And I think everything you saw, it's interesting to me how relevant everything you did then will be now because now women are sort of re-emerging and we're re-emerging at a different time where we're not the person trying to become accepted we're the person going out and owning our spot in society. And I think jewelry can even tell that story of sort of reemergence and um, new, you know, almost a metamorphosis, if you will. And I know in some of your pieces that I've seen, I feel that, you know, I sort of feel that it tells of a new beginning, you know, as much as it does your story behind you. So I'm saying that because I'd love to see you tap into that because, or maybe you're planning to, but I think, you know, I know you have your books and all the things that you've learned and that you're sharing with people, but I think even your love of jewelry in this time could really be something amazing for people as they re-emerge.
1: You know, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you that everything you said just now is so true. And that is why I'm writing my book, because It just, and you know, uh, you and I know each other personally, and you know how I love to help people, and I love to help connect women with other women. I've done this for, you know, all my life, and it really saddens me when I see some of the most capable women out there that are currently right now generating, they're running multi-million, you know, billion-dollar divisions, managing four or five hundred employees. And yet they don't believe in themselves to go out and do something on their own. So, you know, I wanted to be that voice and an example to say, look, you know, if you really value your time at home with your family, there is a way you can actually go in and get this done almost risk-free. And my goal of writing that Million Dollar Habits book is to create, as a direct result of the book being published, a million million millionaires. because I, I do think that's completely doable. Um, Because if you if you look back and everything that we've said today, you know, I didn't invent a new wheel. I didn't invent new, you know, cutting machines. You know, I'm not a scientist. I mean, there's nothing revolutionary out there. I started my my interview with you by saying jewelry had been worn by women being sold for 2000 years. So it's an old industry. But I found still I was able to find a niche and still I was able to elevate their experience with that and bring the price point down by making it more accessible and so I've amplified uh, their ability to look good and and you know fill their need and that's ultimately how you grow organically because I didn't spend a dime to, uh, on advertising until I hit like the 100 million dollar mark
0: you know but that I want to tap on that so there's two things you said that I think your experience could be shared with our listeners and then I You know, and also it's it's something where if they want even more advice, they can follow you, you know, get involved with million dollar hobbies and classes and things that you'll be offering. Um, I think that when you talk about women not having confidence to go out and start, you know, there's I can't I wish I had a dime for every time somebody uses the term imposter syndrome, but that's something that people use a lot. I call it, you know, the classic lack of confidence that, that yeah, self, it is. self-doubt mm-hmm. in all of us, um, but it's very real, you know, and I also it, it think is. Yeah. social media um, forums, you know, I, I know because I spend tons of my time always trying to stay up, probably like you be relevant, and I listen to every, you know, talk and webinar and things that are mm-hmm. out there, and even someone like you or I, as experienced as we are, there's sort of this messaging that if you don't have some edge, you know, if you don't have right, some right. that that you really and it makes people who feel that they don't have that edge fearful to step out. And for me, what I've learned, it, you know, and I'd love you to share your your learning, but for me, what I've learned is that passion and sheer doing something, yeah. Just, just putting one foot in front of the other mm-hmm. um will get you there. And The other part is what you just said, which is, you know, there's nothing to replace support. There's nothing to replace networking, creating friends and creating a a group around you who can nurture you, guide you, you know, um, support you, cheer you on. That infrastructure is so important for all of us. And, you know, I think finding a way, you and I talked about it before we went on air, but finding a way to help each other and support each other as women versus the old world of let me, you know, let me kind yeah. of shoot darts at her because she's more successful than I am. And maybe by tearing her down, I'll feel better about myself. <laughs> um, yeah. And really yeah. go beyond that to, hey, we're all, this is, this is, this is our, you know, this is our opportunity as women to come together, support each other, to really help each other be the best we can be. So with that in mind, you know, what tips do you have? For someone who's going out, you know, where do they get that confidence? What do they need to do in those very early stages um, to really just step out and move towards their goal?
1: You know, I'm just so glad that you uh, approach this very complex topic because confidence is an emotion. It's an emotional state. It's not something you're ever going to get by degrees or materialistic things or anything like that. It's something that you have to work on to keep getting that. And the way you gain confidence, I mean, I think about like a, a kid learning to ski. That kid is petrified until she falls. When she falls and she hasn't died and it's she's not bleeding, she goes, oh my god, that wasn't so bad, she's going to go to a bigger hill. So by definition of what i just said to you you have to you know you have to understand that failure is a key part of your success failure is not something you should be afraid of it's something you should embrace and but you got to manage it you need to manage your failures you need to learn from them and when i say manage your failures you know for example when i first got my first few samples yeah, I didn't go to New York where all the the big stores were, you know, we had a uh, big, you know, the Saks, Bloomingdale's, all those people in New York, I didn't go there. I went to Dallas, because I knew I was gonna make some mistake somewhere. And when I do, it wasn't going to be, um, you know, a, a huge thing on this in that, you display. So I was going to learn from that, read from that, you know, tweak my things, until I knew that I had something that I was reasonably sure that it wasn't going to fail me completely. So then, when I went to New York, um, you know, I had a perfect product, perfect concept that's been kind of tested with real people. And so what I'm saying is, understand that if you're afraid of failure, so if you're afraid you're losing your job, afraid, you know, that you're going to start a business and you may not make it for the first month to second month, count that in, build that into your equation because that is how you build confidence by falling getting up falling again getting up so it's not something i can give you it's something you have to kind of you know work on it's you know a lot of people will say well you know you got to be motivated uh aspired inspired encouraged all these people but in the end it's your actions that's going to help you get through that little hump
0: i agree and i think you know funny i want to hitchhike on what you're saying simply because. I think it's you know not being afraid of failure, but you know failure also comes in another form, not just trying, but in the word no. And right. I think a lot of people, I always, I actually had a t-shirt once my team made up for me that said no is just the beginning of yes. And, right. and yeah, I think yeah. I think it is simply because you know what I've learned is that just because someone tells you no doesn't mean your idea or your goal or your business isn't functional or isn't valuable. Um, I've had people tell me no because they feared us getting into the market and being their competitor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I've had people tell me no because they frankly just didn't get it Um, and were maybe still stuck in an old model that just didn't appreciate something new. So no doesn't mean no. No means not yet or not now. And so I yeah. think, you know, sometimes you step back and you you take from that no, just like you take from your failures, because I always ask people, you know, what, why did you say no? You know, what would have made you say yes? Because take not because you're necessarily going to go do that, but because taking that knowledge away helps you re-examine their input and whether or not you can refine what you're doing. And maybe there's value in every no in terms of helping you shape and craft where you're going, right?
1: That's true too. But when I also talk about planning your failures too, so for example, um, it's probably easier to describe it in my business. So when I design a collection, and I and this this actually happens in real life on TV. So if I have a uh, like a TSV or today's big top value, you know I usually go on with I have like eight hours and I usually go on with like 53 items that has to air okay. So that means I have to design like 100 designs and um, you know when I do that every show every visit. I know before I even go on air before I even do anything I know which items I can count on for 80% of my volume, because I have a history track record of, you know, my butterfly sells you really well, you know, this sells really well. So the other 20%, because I I know that I can kind of count on that money, the other 20%, because the the 20 pieces that's giving me 80% of my, my volume today, they're not gonna keep doing that, okay? At some point, they're gonna kind of start to fizzle out or I'm gonna hit a point of diminishing returns. So you need to find a new star. And how are you gonna find a new star? you have to start to test the waters in a controlled environment so you know if my last visit i look at it and i go you know what a lot of the canary yellow stuff sold was it the fact that it was canary yellow or it was all well, because it was all 100 100 whatever you think those common threads are i might offer canary yellow at 100 because that's what Worked pretty well, you know, different styles. But then I'd go, you know what? I wonder if I can sell. If, if they would, if they like canary so much, would they buy a two hundred dollar item? Well, I would order two hundred dollar item, but you wouldn't go crazy with the quantity, right? You you would actually do a test water, and then I would even go and say, you know what? If I put the canary and pink diamond together, maybe they'll pay three hundred dollars. So again, you know, some failures are designed so that something's you're going to get the read out of that, but it got to be controlled, you're, you have to know what you're doing. So when I say that the, the failure is a part of your success story, some of it is invalid, like right now, many of you who are sitting at home, or who have been sitting at home, getting ready to go to work, you know, you might have done everything right, you might have gone to college, you know, did the right thing, had, you know, great kids, all of that, and then COVID hits, right? This isn't your fault. But does that give you the right to say it's not my fault so I'm going to do nothing? No, (laughs) you're going to have to do something. So if you remember, I started my interview with you, the very first question, what was it like to come to America? Well, at that time, I didn't speak English. I didn't have parents near me. I had no car, no friends. And yet I found the one single thing that you could do for yourself. And that thing for me at that time, what the most logical thing was learning to speak English. So, you know, I took it, I, I did 250 words a day and it was pretty quick. You know, I learned to speak that, I, I learned 250, 2, 2,500 words. And that was, you know, I found out like uh, 80% of Americans actually function with just 200, 200, 2500 words. So I, I guess you would argue I, I overachieved that. So every everything starts with the first single step. And that single step today could be, Defining what you want out of life. So when you say, you know, I want to make a little bit more money and I want to work a little less and I want to spend more time with my family, okay, that's great. But how are you going to do that? You know, what are the what are the actions that I could take today that's going to give me that? It's like if you say, you know, I'm going to lose 10 pounds, I'm going to, i to lose a little weight, and you know, I got some COVID pounds, I'm going to lose a little weight, and I'm going to take better care of my skin. And I'm going to um, so in order for me to do that, I'm going to you know eat a little less watch what i eat i'm going to uh, exercise more okay these are all theoretical things but if you said i'm going to lose 10 pounds in the next 10 weeks so now we know it's one pound a week and then if you said and for me to do that i'm going to commit to cutting out 300 calories a day which means a piece of bread and a coke, or something, or you know, I'm gonna cut out, cut small portions, or I'm gonna eat a salad instead of you know. But 300 calories a day is pretty manageable. And then you said, you know, as a bonus, I'm going to walk my dog for 45 minutes. Now, if you if you do that, you you know, there are very rarely days where you're gonna you're gonna miss that, because you kind of set the framework for yourself. So maybe you don't lose 10 pounds, maybe you lose eight. But hey, are you bitching about it
0: then? Right. And and I think the important <laughs> part of what you said is, you know, so if you break it down, it's okay, you know, identify what it is you want to do, you know, what your goals are. And then I love the idea of, you know, manageable steps where you set goals, they're achievable, right? I, people always talk, you know, bite size, where I can kind of bite it, digest it and grow and yeah. go to that next step. And I think that's so fundamental for just, you know, continuing to move forward in ways that are achievable, right? So that you can feel that success as you move forward. I guess, you know, when I look at your writing million dollar hobbies and moving forward, you know, what do you think as part of that process? Because you are you said, you know, you hope the book makes a million millionaires or a thousand millionaires would we'll
1: You're a million, millionaires. I think that number sounds cool. Yeah,
0: I love it. It sounds really awesome. I'm right there with you. I want to be that. Um, But I think, you know, when, when you look at it, what is your advice for someone, you know, when they go to whatever it might be, whether it's in your case, you know, pitching your brand to something as major as HSN, or maybe it's just pitching yourself for a position you really want, you know, what do you think someone needs to have in place when they go to pitch themselves or their business or you know what is what does that first overture need to look like to be successful
1: well for me personally uh, HSN actually contacted me um after you know i was like the the top top brand at neiman marcus so that it was because you know i didn't know they didn't know you know the industry as you know was it in it's an embryo state so th- that was a little different case but today if i had to um advise someone a young person going into a business world you know contemplating do i ditch my job and start a business and what is the path what is my path i would say that other than the confidence when you start i know it's going to sound like so hollow but being authentic yourself because the worst thing you could do is go to any of these places and paint a different picture than who you really are because number one, they're going to find out very quickly. Number two, they don't expect the perfect person. You know, geez, I don't know about you, but I haven't met one yet. (laughs) You know know what I mean? So they don't expect perfection. They, you know, if you come in and you're like, you know what, my company is this beautiful little, um, you know, crystal vase, you know, without a speck, And, you know, we do this, we do that. And You know, I as a CEO am beautiful, successful, and we're never gonna let you down. They're like, okay, this woman is really nuts. I'm not even gonna listen to her, Right? right? But if you walked in and said, you know what, we're a small company, we don't do everything, but what we do well, you know, what our specialty is, we kind of own it. And it's a very, very narrow specialty. We know how to do this really well. We've been doing this for a long time. We're not perfect, but we are better than anybody else out there, and we're continuously improving. That pitch is going to be so much better because, as you know, on TV, it's an item business. They, they run an item 10, 20, 40. They don't need you to be perfect in 40 different areas. They want one item that's that they can sell well, right? So I think that the, the authenticity, being honest with yourself and being honest with your customers is the best thing you could do for your, that, that's going to be your best selling pitch of all.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think that the transparency of just when when something isn't right or doesn't go right, I have found it, you know, hey, in our company, we're, you know, we definitely aren't perfect. And you have everything, as you know, in manufacturing, um, you know, everything from a screwed up, you know, component to, you know, things that you maybe don't control that come your way and being able, I, I've always said it's a relationship, right? So it's, right. You know you're going to have you make deposits in that relationship that emotional bank account you know so that you can make withdrawals because sometimes right. you're going to do things wrong that you know you're going to say hey give me a i'm you know, sorry about that but let us we're going to fix it we're going to make it right you know um and i think having that credibility that you own it and that you're also always to your point about the the brand pitching that says you know we we always are going to innovate and grow in that space and become, you know, evolve to be a leader. I think that's so important. So that message is sort of, it's okay to be fallible sometimes, and it's okay to, to be vulnerable in terms of just acknowledging your strengths and the opportunities that you have to become stronger, right?
1: Well, I think when you are upfront about your vulnerabilities, they know what they can expect from you and so it alleviates problems at her end she got plenty of vendors and she's never going to give you 100% of her, your business, her business to you so they're going to tailor you know for example whenever i end up with a brand new customer like when i had neiman's when i had all the you know saks all these other companies they start with the elaborate pieces i do well they start with my butterflies they start with things that other people don't do the inspirational pieces the artistic pieces with the real flair But then the business is so good, they'll call me uh, like a couple of months later, they're like, "Well, can you take over my basic studs business, you know, my, my, you know, basic pendants and you know that my basic business, like I I just want to get handed to somebody and you know, can you handle it. And I always say, look, I don't do that well. I mean, there's no need for a designer to be paid a premium for something that By definition, it's basic it's got four prongs and you just you just pop that in I'm never going to be the uh, cheapest vendor for that because I don't actually own a manufacturer that's a lot of that stuff is you know pumped out of a machine. I don't own that I don't play in it i'm going to be expensive and if I do it for you it'll be strictly as a service for you, I make no money on it. And i'll make no money on it i'll do it and you're still going to pay higher price for it, and if you're okay with that i'll do it, but i'm just not good at this, so if you want me to just. Give you some people that's actually going to service you i'll go ahead and give you that you know their names as well and you know i don't know how many times that has brought me more security for because my buyers are like you know what if anybody pitches my category they're like yo don't touch it like you know that is the one category that's running well what i'm going to lose her boom like don't touch that yeah. and so i think this you know being authentic is a really big thing and the second thing too is when you and i started our businesses I mean, truly, we were like lone wolves out there. We, we didn't know anything. Uh, everybody just seemed they were just kind of watching us to watching to see when we're going to fail, not if. Today, it's different. Uh, today, you if you're a female listening to our podcast right now, you have at least two people, Celeste and myself, who have right. walked the talk a few steps before you, right? And there are millions of people out there like us who are successful or even maybe much more successful. So get yourself dialed in with somebody, some mentor, mentor group. And that doesn't mean you gotta meet with them and have lunch every week. I mean, you can do this online and you're all smart. I mean, if you're generating hundreds of millions of dollars for your companies right now, not you individually, but you and a bunch of coworkers, you're smart enough to do a lot of things. And if you need validation, or you need somebody to take you in a different direction it's an email it's a it, you know it's a it's a post right so get yourself involved with um you know organizations or mentors and uh, i'm going to start with a bunch of my friends just some freebie classes and so forth and i'm going to invite you to you know yes i, I, I want to be there i know Absolutely. i'm putting you on the spot but i'm going to No, i already told you i
0: want to be there for sure okay
1: so, so you know, hook you up. And I think one of the problems, and I think you touched on this a little bit earlier, is when you look at social media, when you look at this, even the so-called experts on New York Times and all that, they haven't run a business before. A lot of these people that are giving advice, they've learned to coach people, but they've never actually felt the emotional pain. They've never, they don't even know what the pain points are for the customers or for running a business. So. A lot of times when you're hearing, if you don't have a niche, if you're, you know, what's your, you know, unique sounding proposition, what is this? You know, you, you go from buzzword to buzzword and you don't think you're special enough and you don't think you are whatever. But believe me, if you have the passion for it, you're going to find that smallest little niche. Because remember, if you're just trying to provide for your family, you don't need to make four million million. You just need to make a couple hundred thousand dollars. And you can do that. So, you know, I just wanted to, it, inspire you, but also, you know, help you to take action. So like I gave you this whole action about the weight loss, right? If you define, I want to spend 20 hours a week working on my side hustle. And I'm willing, so you know, if I break it down, and I say, Okay, well, I want to, you know, start, let's say a uh, landscape architect business, because I love flowers and whatnot. And you know, everybody around me needs gardeners and so forth. And so I'm going to run this business. Well, if you say I got 20 20 hours, so if you say well i'm going to start a side hustle okay that's not specific enough, but if you said, I can give 20 hours a week. You go okay well one of those hours could be you know Saturday morning or afternoon, so if you do that you go Okay, what do I need to to actually get this done well, how do I get leads, so you can do 2.5 hours a week so it's maybe like uh, 30 minutes every you know so many days of going On the internet, checking out who's looking for what, you know, that's 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 not a lot. You got you could have a TV on, your kids could be there, yeah, and yeah. doing this on your own, right? Yeah. Um, you can do let's say uh two hours, two and a half hours a week of social media. Well, that gives you posts, probably, I mean, out of, probably more than enough time for you to do generate a post and post them and check out other people's posts, right? So that's just five hours. So when you look at what you can do and you break them down and you're disciplined about checking this off 20 hours is too much actually mm-hmm. so I agree.
0: and you so, know so you can actually do more than you think when you start to really sit down and isolate and identify it. so on that note let's talk a minute about million dollar hobbies right so so one for people listening because you've been giving us so much great advice and you know kind of wetting everybody's appetite to know more what can we expect from Million Dollar Hobbies, um, the book, but also what do you see, because you are so giving, I mean, even being on this podcast today to share your experience and to your point, I think anyone starting, being able to learn from someone like yourself so that you can, I mean, cause you're also educating us to maybe avoid pitfalls that you've experienced. Absolutely, yeah. yeah so you're gonna that's... save people time and you're gonna save them yeah. money uh, in addition to inspiring them and giving them great guidance. So tell us about Million Dollar Hobbies. How can somebody, you know, what can they look for? Can they pre-purchase the book? Um, what are you going to be doing with your classes and things like that? Is there a place people can reach out to you and say, hey, when you're ready, I want to be part of that?
1: Yeah, so the Million Dollar Hobbies, I I wanted to self-publish it. And as you know, um, I ended up with an uh, agent and a bunch of publishers who want to kind of uh, pay me advances to do that. So I'm rewriting it again. And they have made it. Substantially better. They've actually found, you know, gaps in that because I want it to be almost like a complete bible for a, an evergreen. Because the, your basic principles are of, you know, servicing your customers, finding a niche, elevating it, and in eventually dominating a, a field. So, and I've I've done this, like I said, with very little money. Uh, being a mother, and I'm very proud to say I didn't miss very many firsts. So, you know, I built my whole business around their schedule. So I kind of have a lot to say about it, and it's going to, I really want it to do good, so it's going to have a lot of charitable contributions that are directly connected to all of this as well. As far as classes go, um, if you can't afford anything more than, you know, 20 minutes a day uh, and $100, you know, or whatever, there was going to be foundational classes. That it's going to be free, and there there will be some that are really affordable. And then for those of you who are already in a business and you're already doing, you know, several hundred thousand dollars, and you don't know how to take it from there to the next five million dollars, that's a completely different skill set. So you know, I'll address that differently. So having gone from zero to five hundred million dollars, I see the pain point of every breaking point. In other words, if you're not careful you can grow broke, and you know you and I both know a lot of people who yeah. did business with HSN, KBC, Walmart, you know, that built great businesses only to grow broke. They grew too fast, unplanned, and one mistake, you know, kills you. So a lot of, you know, I, I have um, obviously somebody who's at the foundational level who's trying to do a side hustle for, you know, six figure, their goal was to do six figures and stay at home with their family, they're not going to need all of that. So. In The book you're going to have all of it, whether you like it or not. There'll be bonus chapters, and they're going to be even an exit strategy if you don't want to run the business. Uh, But in the classes, there'll be you know kind of an as-need basis, and I am going to be offering quite a few classes free in terms, and it's very updated for modern, um, you know, modern entrepreneur. And um, so I'm just you know happy that I could still dabble in my jewelry, and um, I didn't you know, I, I never, I'm not, as you know, I'm not a flashy person. I'm not a uh, braggy, braggadocious person. So I didn't really wanna write the book about my life or myself or anything like that. But the book is actually gonna have a lot of successful entrepreneurs. Uh, and I'm inviting you to be on on one of those cases. Um, and, you know, just really, I wanted to be a, just an amazing community of successful people inspiring future success, you know, successful people. Because I think that, you know, they, people have said, that there's more joy in giving than receiving. And that I com- completely uh, subscribe to that. So that's my How goal. Can
0: people follow you, Victoria? Where can they go to follow you to sort of get on your radar as we Yeah? Can- so
1: they can come to VictoriaWick.com, W Victoria W-I-E-C-K dot And it's uh, pronounced like the candlewick. I know
0: and, sorry.
1: Um, I um, that's okay. Yeah. Um <laughs> and then um the um you can do you know I'm on Instagram. Victoria Wick Jewelry, um, at Victoria Wick Jewelry, and then I'm on LinkedIn, as well as um, all the... You can sign up for pre-release of both the science fiction and the how-to. And then if you just want to, si- just sign up on any of the opt- opt-ins because you'll get all the future stuff. But I think even the, I'm trying to get as many people as I can educated. So even the freebie stuff, all the freebies. So, you know, I want to tell you, when I first got into the podcasting world and I tell people I'm going to coach, everybody told me, you need to tell people what they need and why they need it, but don't ever tell them how to do it. And I'm like, well, I don't understand how that works.
0: (laughs) Well, and also the big thing everybody's hungry for is the how-to. I mean, Exactly.
1: And I'm like, how does that work? Yeah, I said no 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 when I tell somebody i'm going to teach them how to do something they're going to know how to do something because i'm a a person of my word. So I am going to be giving you a lot of information that most people pay you know 100 200 $4,000 for for free, you know, such as like if you were going to be on a podcast, for example, how do you get on one, how do you start one, you know, I mean, how do you become what content do you you know right you work with there's just a lot more involved than in just a uh, microphone and you know us yapping because uh the relationship with our audience is everything and um you know we have to respect our time and their appetite for knowledge that they hunger for so yeah you know i think um i'm just really excited for this phase and my joy business continues on i'm just taking a little bit less demanding role but um i even in that arena i've got something uh kind of revolutionary coming because you know you always have to keep innovating and, and revolutionizing well, I can't wait you know. for that
0: and more importantly I gotta encourage everybody who's listening to go to her website sign in opt in, because if you love what you've heard today you're going to have a lot more exposure a lot more time and I can tell you I always learn something from Victoria she's helped me so much so I'm so thankful for that So before we finish up, I can't believe how fast an hour goes, um, but I would love to just we do something called our burning question round. Okay. you don't don't have to give it a lot of thought. It's just like the first thing that comes into your mind um, and you can just, you know, it can be short and sweet. Um, What is your daily non-negotiable for you?
1: Uh, Every day, uh, two cups of coffee, (laughs) two
0: cups of coffee. And it
1: has to be really good coffee. Uh, uh, And then I stop it, too. It kind of gets me going.
0: I love it. All right, what would you tell your 20-year-old self? Uh,
1: believe in yourself. Everything will be fine. And to look for help. I mean, I, I didn't look for help. So look for well,
0: help. Here's the thing. You didn't do what you didn't do poorly, Mama. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's true. true. But, true. Uh, but I have to say, you might not have looked for it, but you've been a great resource for it. What's your top tip? you know everybody wants to layer jewelry now. Um, mm-hmm. but is there a, a tip that you give people for layering?
1: Oh absolutely. so for women uh, millennial women love you know the really floating uh, you know m- minimalistic floating looking pieces that's great and we love it too because it's cleaner and elegant and you know it's it's a change but for for people like you and me, if you take a long um about a 36 inch to 48 inch, necklace which is what we call the layering necklace I kid you not it makes you look 10 pounds thinner oh I love
0: that okay Mm -hmm. just so you know all of a sudden everybody went to your website to buy one of those (laughs) you
1: look 10 pounds thinner and and you look polished yeah and uh, if you're wearing like you know flowy blouses it just makes everything kind of pop a little bit so to me if you're going to invest in one piece it doesn't have to be mine anybody's get get a layering necklace
0: you know what's one last question totally this wasn't in our lightning round, but a friend of mine asked me this yesterday and i'm going to ask you because you're the expert. So she took a, a, a little picture she text, texted it to me and said, am I too old for this. So it was one of the paperclip necklaces and she was, Oh, they're hot. And she said, am I too old for that? Mm -hmm. And so is there such a thing as being too old for certain? No,
1: no, no, no. no. Okay. So, uh, when it comes to jewelry, uh, this is another thing. And, uh, just, I I just got to telling everybody to do your own thing. Same thing. Don't let the experts tell you you're too old. Paperclip necklaces are going to be the new classic. It's not going to be dated or anything like that. And, And by the way, um, when we grew up, you know, people who are sixty years old look so old. Today, people who are sixty look like they're forty. Right. Right. People who are seventy look like they're you know fifty. That's, that's my. I mean, everybody to
0: keep you looking like that. <laughs> exactly, and
1: and yeah. they feel like that, yeah. right? And they've got many old, um kids and everything. I mean, it also depends on what else you're wearing. I mean, if you're wearing a paperclip necklace with you know, a six inch jeans short with, you know, moto boots, maybe you're, you're overdoing it. (laughs) But, But if you got a, you know, nice elegant sweater, no, not at all.
0: And so last lightning round question, beach or mountain? Oh, beach. Oh, yeah. Well, this this is coming from a woman with a beautiful 80 degree day behind her in her window. (laughs) Yeah, and the beach
1: is right in front of me right now. Yeah, I know. So
0: yeah, absolutely. Well, I've got to say it's been nothing but a pleasure. I'm encouraging everyone on Bare Skin, you'll be able to get a link directly to all of Victoria's contact information, as well as being able to go direct. It's just always a pleasure. I can't wait to have you back on when million, Million Dollar Hobbies is actually live. So we'll definitely do that. But thank you so much for joining us. And for all of you who are listening, check out our newest uh, podcast sessions. You'll find them at Bare Skin with Celeste. So thank you guys for tuning in. And thank you, Victoria, so much for joining us.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It's not a fun.